Hey Junior Nation, now more than ever, exclusive, entertaining, and free content from the world of Dale Earnhardt Jr. is no further away than your fingertips. It's all thanks to Dale Jr.'s Dirty Mo' Radio presented by Exalta. All eight Dirty Mo' Radio podcasts are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and of course, DaleJr.com. So whether you're at home, at work, in the gym, on the run, or just hanging out, Dirty Mo' Radio gives Junior Nation its newest and most versatile way yet to plug directly into the world of Earnhardt anytime, anywhere. This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. for the Dale Jr. Download. Coming to you on a Monday morning. I'm working at the Chevy Simulator, um, getting some good uh, rehabilitation and also trying to help out our HMS guys as they prepare for the next several weeks. Um, Had a great weekend. Went to um, Talladega and read to some elementary school kids on Friday morning. Uh, We went to a very low-income, high-poverty area and uh, uh, within miles of the track actually and uh, this school had five-year-olds to ten-year-olds about 400 students real small school you know barely scraping by but uh, we got to read to those kids and uh, promote uh, how important uh, reading and all that good stuff is to your future and Unilever the 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 parent comp or the um, you know yeah the parent company or umbrella company for Hellman's teamed up with Dollar General to give uh, the school fifty thousand dollars. That was a big surprise that the school didn't even know about. So all the students were very happy. All the teachers and the principal were crying. It was very emotional, and I was overwhelmed uh, to be a part of it and be a witness to it. That was a great day. We uh, signed some autographs for Mountain Dew over at the Hall of Fame on Saturday morning for a big group of fans. That was great, interacting and meeting everybody. And uh, we did a few other things. Uh, had a good time. <clears throat> Obviously, on Sunday, we had all our hospitalities for uh, the racetrack and so forth that we typically do on Sunday mornings. Then, uh, since I wasn't in the race car, I th- thought I would ride in the the tractor that uh, carries the 18-wheeler around the uh, racetrack for the Anthem. They've done that for years. The truck is owned by Johnny Ray, who actually gave my dad a race car to run in Atlanta in 1977, red, white, and blue, number 88. That race didn't end too well for dad, but um, Johnny's been a family friend for many, many years, and He's drove that truck around carrying the American flag with the anthem for as long as I can remember. So I rode in the truck for that. That was a great thrill. And then I went up into the TV booth. We did a little interview on the pit box at the, in the pits for Mountain Dew and True Timber to promote the Call of the Wild, the wildest calling, this new commercial we have where we're talking deer. I know I'm all over the place rambling, but uh, we've been doing a lot of different stuff here lately. And uh, we went up into the TV booth. That was so much fun. I felt super comfortable up there being great friends with Steve and knowing Jeff Burton very well and um, Rick Allen. Those guys are, are pros. And I got a you know new respect for those guys, 
Darrell Waltrip and, and Jeff Gordon and all them. Uh, there's a lot going on up in up in there in that booth, and those guys are, are on top of it. It was really impressive. So it's fun to be a witness to that. I don't know if I'll ever have a future in broadcasting, but it's it's a personal experience for me to be able to get up in there and look at it. But anyways, it's a personal experience for me to be able to get in there and witness it and kind of understand that side of the sport, being a fan of the sport and loving the history and all that, and uh, to get an opportunity to go to all these different avenues uh, and see all kind see all kinds of angles and perspectives of what goes into a Sunday at the racetrack is, is pretty neat. So I felt very lucky. I also took the opportunity to go into the MRM booth, which was fun. Same thing there, you know, never really had that chance to do that and put it on myself to to go check that out and, and experience it. Calling the race from, for doing radio versus TV, two completely different things. So the, um, the radio guys, they really describe the action as they're seeing it on the racetrack. And they're tossing this invisible baton to each other around the racetrack as they describe the action. The guys on TV don't really cover the action as much as they talk about why what why you're seeing what is happening and describing drafting and how that stuff works and you're actually seeing the racing action so they don't really talk about what exactly is happening as much as they sort of describe how the sport works so definitely two different two different approaches to to just you know conveying the 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 experience to the fans at home so i don't know uh which one i enjoyed better they're both pretty unique and fun Uh, i think i get to go back up to the booth in martinsville for a little bit and call a completely different style of racing and I'm excited to have that opportunity. I guess I didn't do too bad, so they want to have me back. And uh, I hope all the fans at home enjoyed uh, the insight that I was able to give. I'm obviously not a professional broadcaster, but I hope that I uh, was easy to understand and did a good job explaining myself. It's it, The draft's a real technical thing, but... Um, I like to try to explain what's going on out there to folks so they can kind of maybe even enjoy the race a little more knowing a little little bit about how the draft works. We got a lot going on and uh, got a pretty busy week uh, doing a lot of stuff and getting ready for the next race and going up there and being a, being a part of that. But then we're going to do some deer hunting and uh, the racing season will be over before you know it. So... Uh, it's a pretty uh, pretty fun weekend, and I think that's pretty much everything we got ourselves into. I can't remember anything else that I might have missed. Anyhow, I hope everybody's doing well. Enjoy the download. Take it easy. Thank you, Dale Jr. We appreciate that. Of course, this is the Dale Jr. Download presented by Spy, the official sunglass of Dale Lenard Jr. Now features the official camouflage of Dale Jr. He just mentioned it. The signature 88 collection sunglasses now feature true timber camo. Go get yours at spyoptic.com. With Mike Davis and with First Name Davis, I'm Taylor Zarzer. More on First Name Davis coming up a little bit later on in the download. Mike, uh, the one thing that Dale Jr. didn't really cover there was how excellent of a job he did in the booth yesterday. 
He was really good. Yeah. Like, really, really good. I mean, I'm not just saying that because he gives me my paycheck, okay? The insight that he gave taught me something. And I've been with the guy since 2004, right? And I've been to many plate tra- uh, tracks with this guy. And I've seen many wins. And yet, to hear him talk about what was going on in that draft. You know, when we watch restrictor plate races, do you ever watch knowing that they're three-quarter throttle or half throttle when they're in the pack? I don't. I always just assume they're just matted, you know, going going as hard as they can. But no, Junior's sitting there telling us what's really going on. The only one that's got it matted is a leader. And so there was just a lot of different things that he brought that otherwise you wouldn't have got. I thought he did a great job. He did do a great job. Matt Crossman um, was there, and we'll uh, get his perspective. Steve Latart of obviously was next to him. He, he'll be with us today on the download as well. Uh, I love what Dale Jr. just said about the difference between television and radio because that's my life. Well, <laughs> let me tell you something. Now, I don't know if you caught the uh, radio broadcast. I, I Right when he got done with TV, he went to MRN, okay? Mm-hmm. And I listened to, obviously, both. I watched the TV. I listened to him on the radio. And Joe Moore goes, Dale, you uh, agreed to call a couple laps, so here they go. Restart. You got the mic. And it was like, uh-oh, this ain't TV now. I mean, this is different. It's a completely different game. And I think that without even talking to him, I'm glad he said what he said in this audio because without even talking to him, I knew that at that moment he understand the difference of the crafts between TV broadcasting and radio broadcasting. It was so different. And it was, a, honestly, he got put on the spot right there, uh, having never done it, having never done any radio call. And yet he goes, okay, they're coming up to speed, Denny. <laughs> and it's like, it was a little awkward at first, and he, and he had to get the hang of it. And the way they throw the baton, that invisible baton that he's talking about, I mean, it was really fascinating. But I thought he did a good job there too, but it's so different. It is really different. It, you know, one week I'll do a college football radio broadcast, and the next week I'll do television. And obviously I've done NASCAR radio for PRN in, in the past. I don't know which one I like either more than the other, but I will tell you this. Radio takes a whole lot more work. Yes. Because you have to completely describe what you're seeing. You have to paint a picture. Obviously nobody can see it. They're listening. So you have to describe that as best you can and give – play-by-play, non-stop play-by-play. There can be no dead air. Television, you're putting captions under the picture. Now, let me ask you, though, because you're a career radio guy. Is it harder at a place like Talladega to call, or is it actually easier because there is never a shortage of things going on? It is easier okay, because there's never a shortage of things going on, and it's such a big track. I think describing all the beating and banging that you're going to hear next Sunday on MRN is more difficult to do at a short track, at least in my experience, than it is at a super speedway. But it definitely requires skill, and Dale Jr.'s got a lot of it. I know that he wants to get back in the car, and we're excited about 2017, but there's definitely another future out there if he wants one. He's got options. He definitely does. Um, I know we got a lot of people coming up. The only other thing I wanted to say, Mike, is I try to be objective as best I can when it comes to NASCAR. Honestly, I really don't. Not anymore. <laughs> You're honest. I, I really, really don't like watching Joey Logano win a race. I just, I, well, I really I, don't. I think I know why. I mean, if you're like me, you still haven't actually come to grips with what happened last year. Not at all. I think, you know what, I, I'll say this. This year, like, at least he won it. I mean, I, I, don't know, I don't know if earned is the right word, but last year I think he just got lucky. 
He got very lucky. He, he definitely earned it more this year for sure. Right, right. So yeah. I, I, th- I think I could take some. I just don't like him, man. I mean, I, look, I, I speak for myself. I'm not speaking for you, for Dale, for anyone else. And, and I think, well, maybe I do speak for Junior Nation. <laughs> I don't know. You know, we all have our favorites. They're all certain people that we don't like, and it has nothing to do with personal experience. Every time I ever did an interview with him, he was very gracious. But it just as a fan, you know, it's it's kind of like you don't want to know the truth about certain people you don't like in sports, Mike. You know, you don't want to be clouded by your disdain. Yeah. I've got it for Joey Logano. You know what you are? You're Doc Holliday in that scene in Tombstone when he's sitting there looking at Johnny Ringo, and he says, I don't know. There's just something about him. I think I hate him. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, darling. There's just something about him. Yeah. Uh, That's a great scene, by the way. Yeah. Terrific scene. He does the thing with the knew, shot glass. I knew you yeah. would like the tombstone throw. I, I knew like you'd that. like that. Ain't no uh, did, law around here, law dog. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I did not like. <laughs> I did not like Austin Dillon losing a tiebreaker, and I really didn't like Martin Truex Jr. being eliminated. Didn't like that at all. Big names getting uh, cut out of this, which is you know to be expected, I guess. But Brad Keselowski, I think, was the favorite to win that race. I mean, he was racing yeah. really good. He had a good car. Uh, and then blows up. I don't know. Maybe you guys know. Did did the reason he blow up because of the trash? Did, did yeah, his the engine debris. overheat? Yeah. And then the, he let Blaney get by him. Yeah. Try to get it off. Well, so so, uh, so I hate to see Chase not get in, and Chase didn't obviously get in. Bowman and that that stunk to see that, but um, that was weird. It was just weird because the guy just was racing his guts out all race. He gets up there at a third, and then there on that last restart, he just loses it. Well, it was the second to last restart, I guess, because. Uh, he was uh, – no, yeah, oh, his caution brought yeah, out the, the, the green-white checker. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was unfortunate. That was unfortunate because he had a good race that whole time. And I thought that if Joey and Harvick could get to racing for the win, maybe Alex could sneak around them. Can we, can we agree that Dale Jr. wouldn't have been laying back in 30th? No, sir. No. He would not have handled that well. Do you have an opinion about more. that? Do you have an he, opinion about Gibbs? I know we'll ask Latart here in a second, but, like, what's your opinion? I hate it. Yeah. I I hate it. I, it. It doesn't. I I understand it completely, but I hate it as a fan. You're not trying. I understand you're considering the greater good and you're looking at the big picture. And I'm not saying if I was Joe Gibbs or any of the crew chiefs or drivers, I wouldn't do the same thing. I'm saying as a fan, that's not what I paid money to watch. I I don't. If I go to that race, which I have and I've loved going to that race, both of them. I would I would be disappointed, especially if I was a fan of that team. Thankfully, I'm not. Uh, yeah, and you just hit it. You hit exactly what I was wondering. I'd like to take a poll of loyal Joe Gibbs racing fans because I hear a lot of people saying, I'd go to Gibbs right now if I was a Gibbs fan and demand my money back. Yeah. Well, I don't know a whole lot of Gibbs fans. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just honest. thinking about it. So I'm just thinking I, about I, it. A I few would... years ago, if Jimmy Johnson and Dale Jr. during the two-car tango era, remember that? Mm-hmm. And uh, Jr. pushing Jimmy all the way around the track, most amazing thing I've ever seen from like 20th to first and fourth. If those two had just laid back there and said, we're good. We don't need to do this. We're into the next round. I, I would have been really disappointed. I'll put it this way. I mean, we actually alluded to this last week. I mean, we can't be surprised that it happened. Is it, didn't we say we know who's going to go up there and race and we know who's not yeah. the people that are sort of comfortable in the chase and, you know, have a lot to lose by being in a big wreck. They're not going to race. Now, the ones I didn't think – I didn't think Harvick would be racing as hard. And sure, sure, not only was he racing hard at the end, but then he got in a fight afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wrong about Harvick. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, 
I don't know. I would love to have a poll of Gibbs fans because they're the ones that matter. If they feel like they deserve their money back, because the rest mm-hmm. of us just don't like Gibbs. Like, we'll find things to not like about Gibbs. And, right. and them sandbagging, that's an easy one. But what about Gibbs fans? Like, that's something that I can't actually do myself. So maybe, we'll, maybe somebody else will. Let's ask Steve Letard about it. Speed dial. Let's talk to our friend Steve Letard. I used to love doing this. We did this all the time a few years ago, of course. was a great crew chief for Dale Jr., Jeff Gordon, before that. Did you ever think you'd live in a world, Steve, where you'd see Jeff Gordon filling in for Dale Jr.? Okay, it's been a confusing year. I, I started <laughs> the year with Jeff Gordon in the booth, and I'm finishing the year with Jeff Gordon in a race car. It's, it's, the NASCAR world is turned upside down. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, I know you had Dale Jr., in the booth on uh, on Sunday, and that had to be a lot of fun. You guys uh, bust his chops pretty hard before you put him on? Well, I-, I would like to say that unprompted, the first interview of the day, Dale Jr. says that I don't ever talk to him or hang out with him because I'm too busy. Hmm. And I think that that was unfair that he got the first shot on the microphone. So when he got up to the booth, I let everybody know that actually his schedule is the one that is too full for me. But, uh, you know, on a serious note, it was a blast. Um we both are so busy, we don't get to hang out as much as we would like to. But to bring him up to the booth was, was cool to just hang out with a buddy. And more than anything, just to talk racing, a track that he has so much success at. Uh, it, I think it was very enlightening to the fans to hear him describe the drafting action we saw on the racetrack and to see him and Burton banter back and forth. It was, it was amusing. By the way, Steve, he might have got the first shot, but you got Dirty Mo Radio, which is a far bigger audience. So that's right. My true. Room. You win. Unbelievable. Right. Uh, you know what? I've got so many questions about the race and <laughs> I'm going to hit you with the high heat right off the bat. Okay. Love it. Joe Gibbs racing. Now see, when I think about what would I do, like I care less about what people think because I think a lot of people just don't like Joe Gibbs racing. But like if Dale Jr. Was in that situation where he was, uh, you know, had a good points, a nice comfortable points lead, but he didn't have a win. I like to try to think, what would I do? And, and, and I would like to think that Dale would ra- I would want him to race. But as soon as I entertain the possibility of screwing him out of a championship, I'm laying off the throttle. I totally am. I'm just being honest. So I'm asking you to put your crew chief lens back on just for a second. What would you do? I would have done exactly what Jason Radcliffe, Matt Kenseth, and 20 Cart did, as unpopular as it was. The goal when the season started in February would have been to win a championship. And here at Talladega, uh, race 32 of 36 with, with the championship on the line, you know, they earned the right to approach Talladega by any means necessary. They ran well enough at Charlotte, well enough at Kansas, had the points lead or the, you know, the gap over the cut line to go to Talladega and race like they wanted to race. This is no different than a quarterback being sat in week 17 yep. of the NFL once you make the playoffs. You do whatever gives your team the best chance of the ultimate prize, which is the championship. And it was a strategy. They weren't affecting other people's race on purpose. They were purely running their own race. While people don't love it, and, and I didn't love it. I didn't love to watch it. I wasn't a fan of it. But if I'm Jason Ratcliffe, I call for the same strategy. Are you suggesting that Tom Brady shouldn't play in Week 17 against the Miami Dolphins? Is that Because as a Dolphins fan, I know you're a Pats fan. As a Dolphins fan, that's fine with me. Listen, I'll go one step further. I paid my hard-earned money to fly to Foxborough to go to a Patriots game to watch the Bills beat the Patriots with Tom Brady standing on the sideline mm. because they were already in the playoffs. So, so I'm saying I would do what Matt Kenseth did, and I literally sat in the stands 
you know, it's warm in Foxborough that time of year, too, let me tell you. <laughs> sat in the stand and watched the best quarterback in the NFL stand on the sidelines because that's what had to be done for the team. And I supported my team for that because I think they were making the right decision. I don't think this is any different. I don't like it when Mike Davis makes a level-headed comment, by the way. It really bothers me. It doesn't happen say, often. And it really does. It's just <laughs> I get, it kind of gets me in a bad mood. I, I want you to be irrational and scream and yell as a fan. In all seriousness, the, you know, you put yourself in the situation and sometimes you end up with a completely different perspective. In fact, I think that most people don't necessarily have a problem with what they did. They have a problem with who they are. Mm-hmm. And so let's just admit it. Let's just, let's just call well, it what I it think is. That, Mike, I think the problem they have is that they didn't try to sugarcoat. The problem that they had is they pull out a line before they ever – green flag. They publicly say they're going to do it. There was never an accident, so there was no reason to go into the pack. They took a strategy that we have seen at Talladega for years, and they took it to the farthest degree we've seen it applied. I think that's the issue that people had you know, a problem with, but it's going to be a, a moot point because next year Talladega's not race three in this round. It's race two, and you can't protect a lead you don't have. So I don't think there's any reason to even talk about it. When we go to Talladega next year, they're all going to be racing as hard as they can to try to gain points. Let me ask you guys uh, both a question. Mike, starting with you, do you think the Talladega – I mean, everybody talks about this. Do you think Talladega should – the second Talladega race should be positioned where it is in the chase? Because obviously that has a whole lot to do with the way that Gibbs attacked this past weekend and be it has a whole lot to do with how future teams will do it in, as well. Well, you're saying as it is in 217 when it, when it becomes the second race of the round two races? Is that what you mean? Yes. Do you like it being in the chase at all? I mean, yes. could... Listen, if it was before the chase, then people were going to throttle back because or, or, or race. I mean, like, there's nowhere where the restrictor plate races, in my opinion, can be set where it, there won't be some strategy put into it because there's too much to lose if you wreck. And so I think that as long as there's restrictor plate races, no matter where you put them, you know, unless you just put them all at the beginning of the year, which that doesn't make any sense. So now, I have no problem with Talladega being in the, in the chase. And I think it's actually a good move to put it as uh, round two, second race, than, than the third race. What do you think, Steve? I think that I have a problem that we have saw 37 cars race as hard as they can for a win, and all we are talking about is a three that didn't. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And, and I don't mean to be ugly when I say that, but I watched Chase Elliott zigzag, change lanes, high, low. I mm. watched Austin Dillon try everything he could to find one point coming through the trial. Well, Danny Hamlin threw one of the biggest blocks we've seen of the year on Kevin Harvick, yet we talk about three drivers that chose to run a conservative strategy. And I think that's just, you know, where do we want to put the focal point? It's not like the entire race were 40 drivers riding around trying to be safe. There were three that chose to implement that strategy. But the race for the win I thought was great. We had Brian Scott potentially getting his first win of his career, running second. Joey Logano somehow finds victory lane again. This guy's unbelievable in the chase. So I think that it was still a great race. Where it's positioned, I don't think makes a huge difference. I think next year in race two will eliminate some more of the conservative strategy. So if that's what bothers fans, then it's going to be in a better position. But we'll see what they have to say next year. I'm glad you said that because, you know, the very format that sort of gives us this type of racing where people can choose to throttle back and stay in the back, it also gave us Denny Hamlin versus Austin Dillon, which after 1,400 miles, they end up in a dead heat. It's crazy. That's a good storyline that also that, that needs to be focused on as well. What did you think about that little uh, bout at the end of that race? That was it, – it was, it was exactly what this format brings. 
to the table. We've now seen, we saw a tie last year with Dale Jr. and Jamie McMurray Dover. We've now seen another tie this year with a driver being eliminated. You can always look at the negatives, and there's a negative in every format. People don't like the one-game playoff in baseball. There's all these different things. But the simple fact is the format is clear. The schedule is set. Points are awarded. If you win, you can you can eliminate the points altogether. But, you know, someone has to race for points. And that battle leading up to that green-white checker, that NASCAR overtime, man, I was in the booth, and I, I was amped up and ready because it was it was so clear that Austin Dillon had to find a few points and Denny Hamlin had to protect. And that race there was as exciting or perhaps more exciting than Joey Logano getting the, getting the checkered flag. And I think we owe all the competitors a big round of applause because you know what we got at Talladega that we haven't got in a long time? A finish. That's right. Under green, across the start-finish line. No more figure out who finished where under yellow. They raced two clean laps all the way back. Yeah, I'm still not ready to, to talk about what happened last year. <laughs> I think a lot of people listening to this podcast probably aren't either. If we talked a couple of weeks ago, Steve, and had you on after the first round of, of the chase format, and I said who are legitimate contenders to win the entire championship, your answer might have started with Martin Truex Jr., and now he's not even into the next round. It's just crazy what can happen in a few weeks. Well, it is crazy, but I'd like to point out that we had to pick our final four for NBC, and my final four are all still alive. So I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good right now. I, I had Matt Kenseth as my champion. He's still in it. I had Joey Logano going to Miami. He's still in it. So I'm feeling pretty good. The only concern I have right now is shame on me. I have Jimmy Johnson getting eliminated, and I'm having a little buyer's remorse with that because I think Jimmy Johnson's going to end up in Miami. Hmm. Hey, explain something to us. You guys did allude to it uh, for a moment when Alex Bowman spun out on the trioval. Jeff Burton gave us a pretty good description of, you know, how it's more difficult in the trioval, especially when those cars are packed together. But explain that to us again and, and help us, you know, reason with what happened with Bowman there at the end of the race. So basically what happens, Mike, is why turns one and two and three and four look like the abrupt turns because it's a tighter radius. It also has way more banking. So when the car goes down in the corner, the vertical load just smashes the car into the racetrack, and it has way more grip, really. The back stretch of the car is kind of light, but you're not turning the wheel. So as long as you don't hit anybody, you should be able to run straight. The trial is real precarious because when you turn down in there, especially on that bottom lane where Alex Bowman was, it's very flat, which means the car isn't pushed down into the asphalt. So it's kind of light, kind of slippery, and they're tugging on the wheel because while it's a big, wide-open corner, you know, it's easy by yourself, but they're never by themselves. They're three wide on the bottom, very little air. And it looked to me that he just got in that position where that left front tire hit that flat of that bottom lane, and it spun the ADA. I mean, you saw how quick it came around. It looked like he had a flat tire, and we've seen that before in the trioval. I've had, as a crew chief, more complaints about cars handling bad through the trioval at Daytona and Talladega than anywhere near the corner. Really impressive. I know it, it's stuck to see that, but it, it really impressed by what he has done the last uh, couple of months filling in for Dale Jr. And listen, you've been on several times since you've no long since you're no longer the crew chief, and you've been up in the booth. And I I know even in your last season you raved about the job that Greg Ives did, and and why you felt he was qualified to be the crew chief on the 88. I really feel like we have seen his best stuff in the last couple of months, given trying circumstances. Just talk a little bit about that and what your expectations are with Dale Jr. and Greg next year. Yeah, I think Greg has done a great job of rallying the team around Alex Bowman, putting the best cars out there. Swapping drivers between Jeff and Alex is very difficult. Um, 
you know, Dale is the leader of the group. He's the driver. With him not being in the car, it takes extra effort from the crew chief. I thought Greg has done a great job. Alex and him have put some great runs together. They have zero luck. Uh, if they ever get something to go their way, they're going to run up inside the top five for sure. Um, you know, so I expect a lot. I expect a lot when we see Dale back in the car next year because I think Hendrick was a little off over the summer. I think they would admit it, but it seems like they're finding their stride a little bit. And it's going to be interesting to see who makes gains over the winter and how everyone unloads at Daytona in February. All right, my man. Enjoy Martinsville. Feel free to bust Junior's chops as much as possible on Sunday. Oh, listen, I'm going to tell him. I'm like, listen, don't be getting carried a second week in a row. Let's not, let's not play professional TV guy and try to take Burton and my position. Here. We, got, <laughs> we sit up there and we grind it out all these weeks. You know, he wants to fly in do do 80 laps and then leave, all right? <laughs> it was a 188-lap race. I don't know where you went, but we still had 40 to go. But you know, on a serious note, listen, Dale and I are friends, so I'm a little partial when I say this, but I applaud a guy who's in a difficult situation. He wants to be. You could see him sitting beside me in the booth. If, you, if the fans could have saw him, every move the 24 made, every move the 88 made, he was on the edge of his seat. He's a race car driver. He needs to get back to a race car. You could tell how much he wanted to be back to a race car. And it was fun to watch a race with him. And it's going to be really exciting to go back to Martinsville, a place where uh, we got our last win together. And I'm actually staring at that picture right now in front of the grandfather clock. We're going to sit up there and talk about what it's like to go from the biggest track in NASCAR to the smallest and the, the beating and banging of Martinsville. Uh, and it's awesome to hear how much it still means to you because it means a whole hell of a lot to everyone listening, too. Steve, thanks, my man. Uh, great stuff. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Speed Dial. You are live on Junior Motorsports up front. Tune in to Dirty Mo Radio every Thursday as Jonathan Davis and I talk about everything Junior Motorsports, welcome guests, and more. Well done. Good you like job. that? <laughs> I love it. Time now for the nationwide segment. Ever wondered what's in Dale Jr.'s garage? Now is your chance to find out thanks to Chevrolet, Hendrick Motorsports, NASCAR, and Nationwide. Dale Jr.'s partners are giving you a chance to win a 2016 Chevy Silverado and a chance to win a once-in-a-lifetime trip to NASCAR Champions Week in Las Vegas, including access to the exclusive NASCAR Sprint Cup Series Award ceremony. Go to www.winyourchevy.com today to enter for your last chance to win. No purchase necessary. See official rules for details. So on the phone with us is Matt Crossman. Matt Crossman wrote a piece for NASCAR.com today. You can go to NASCAR.com and read it. It's, about, it's called Behind the Scenes in TV Booth with Dale Jr. Matt, are you there? I got you, man. man We've I been t- selling at a parking lot in Hardy's. Well, I tell you what, a parking lot in Hardy's. So you can go ahead and grab you a bite to eat while you're there, if, if that's your thing. <laughs> Matt, you write this terrific piece, and I just wonder, had you planned on a Dale Jr. behind-the-scenes vantage point story in the booth? Uh, and if so, how, how did this come about? No, I was actually uh, already separately doing an in-depth piece about how TV comes together, and it was just my good luck that the day I chose to be in the TV booth, uh, Dale Jr. would be there too. So it was just it was just dumb luck. Well, that is that, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, and, and my perspective was, I mean, this booth was. Uh, I was surprised at how small it was. I mean, it was smaller than like a garage. It was uh, tiny, and there was eleven people in there. And so I was, you know, standing behind. Uh, it went Matart, Dale Jr., uh, uh, Burton, and then Rick Allen, and I, I was behind them. Explain to us 
like all the intricacies of TV broadcasting. Like, you know, for, for, for all of us that watch on TV and we don't really process all the elements and the opportunities for error, can you kind of give us an, an idea of what's all going on, like in the headsets and the booth and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's the thing that I found the most interesting, that they're, you know, a couple of hundred feet up in the air watching these incredibly complicated race cars drive around in the world's simplest sport, you know, start here, finish there, uh, and that's it. And the things that they're saying in the images are then being beamed into outer space so that they can come back to us on either our TVs or our laptops or whatever. Uh, but then they're also, like, writing each other notes so they don't have to talk out loud so the microphone's picking up. So it's everything from the most complicated thing there is to the simplest thing there is. Now let's get to the most important question. Evaluate Dale Earnhardt Jr. as a NASCAR analyst. I, well, I, I think anybody who has ears to hear could hear that that was some of the most insightful analysis you're ever going to get. I mean, that talking about the draft and the way that it works, I mean, it was utterly fascinating. Uh, but, was, but equally interesting to me was how excited he was doing it. I mean, there was one point where he was, he was either raising his hand like he, he wanted Rick Allen to call on him, or he was pointing at the track. I'm not 100% sure which one he was exactly doing. But, I mean, his body language was off the charts good, and especially considering the last few months of kind of dour news uh, and, you know, unsettling news about him. That was really encouraging. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that because, you know, we've lived through all of it these uh, last couple months, and it's been – for anyone that cares about him, it's been tough to watch. But it, 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 he's talked openly on this podcast and in public about the confidence level – that he has and, and his peace of mind has certainly changed and you certainly witnessed that on Sunday. Yeah, I did. Uh, I've always thought, maybe you guys know the answer to this question, that he is probably the worst poker player on earth <laughs> because his body language is so transparent. You can tell just by looking at that dude, uh, what kind of mood he's in and what his confidence level is. And in the booth, he looked like the guy who jumped out of the car after winning the four, the 500 in 2004, or that when he won it again in 14 or 15, whatever year that was. I mean, he was just, his body language was completely different than it has been in the last few months when he's been talking about such depressing news. Now, I don't want, I don't, I don't think we should get carried away. I don't think that means that the concussion-related symptoms are over. I don't think it means he's healed. I don't think it guarantees he's going to be back in the car. But it certainly was uh, good news after a lot of not so good news. You know, you just hit on it. I mean, this this weekend was sort of compelling. Uh, for uh, for those of us that are close to Dale and just kind of watching, because it was almost like a trip to Disneyland for him, being the, mm-hmm. with the exception of that he wasn't able to race it. And so he, there he is volunteering himself to go get in that 18-wheeler or that big rig, the, the big Talladega flyby with the American flag out. He went to go ride shotgun in that thing just because he wanted to. I mean, And now he's up in the booth and he's pumping his fist. You give really good... Uh, color to to the uh, to the behind the scenes going on in this story on NASCAR.com. Is it because he's just a fan of the sport? I mean, what is where's all this enthusiasm coming from? Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I think that's what makes him such a compelling person to write about. I think that's what makes him such a good uh, analyst. Is uh, not only does he like understand it in depth in ways that people who haven't done it can't, but he also he just really likes it. I mean the. The, the enthusiasm with which he said the things that he said and the things that he said were compelling on their own, but the way he said it just sort of amplified that. And you made, I, I think the Disney World thing is a good one, too, especially considering, you know, that, that could bum you out to be at the racetrack when you want to be racing and you can't. 
And I just, I didn't sense any of that. And I, I was looking for it too. And I, I sensed nothing but excited to be there. So Matt, did you go with him to the MRN booth? Because there was an observation I had about that. I just, did you go with him? No, I, I didn't. I was, uh, you know, I was trying to write this other story that I, that I already had. I, it was just dumb luck that I got to be with him right. in, the, in the booth. But, your original assignment, in other words. <laughs> yeah, you had yeah, to do yeah. that. I was, I was actually doing the job I was paid to do, so yeah. Taylor and I were talking how different it is, uh, and Taylor knows this being in the radio business, but I was listening to him on the MRN broadcast, and they actually let him call a restart, like like Joe Moore's job. They said, okay, Dale, take it away. And I think at that moment, Dale realized the difference in crafts between radio broadcasting and TV broadcasting. I wasn't sure if you were able to observe that as well, but just how starkly different those two booths are. Uh, oh, but, yeah. It's, yeah, it's the difference between being able to see it and not being able to see it and having to tell people stuff that you don't have to tell them. Yeah. Uh, but I, I noticed one other thing about his, like, the quality of his commentary. And uh, it, it comes so naturally to him. Like, if you listen to other drivers who are very good at explaining things, like, you know, Brad Keselowski or, or Carl Edwards, they have thought about those things before they're asked about them. So it's like they formulated the answer beforehand. Dale Jr. just seems to be winging it. Uh, and it, but it comes out in like complete paragraphs. You're like, how the hell did he just do that? He's a really bright guy. He really is, and he he is a, a he he does have uh, extensive vocabulary, and it's impressive to watch. It's, it's certainly, doing this podcast or any other public appearance he makes, you definitely notice that. Matt Steve Latart said just a minute ago that it was really cool to watch how Dale was on the edge of his seat and how badly he wants to be back in that race car. Did you notice that? I, I did. Uh, the seats that they're sitting on are kind of like bar stools, and uh, you know, when he, you know, I mentioned his body language before, and you know, when, when he's in that not confident thing, it looks like he's trying to grind his back motors and stuff, uh, and that he's got like a, an anvil on his shoulders. But he was, yeah, you know, perched on the edge of his seat. His feet were bouncing on the little footrest, and he was, you know, his body language was was, was straight up and like leaning, uh, like almost towards the track. Uh, yeah, and he and, you know, Latart and Burton being on either side of him certainly helped because, I mean, Latart used to be his crew chief, and he raced against Jeff Burton for, what, 15 years? They probably raced against each other 500 times at least. So he was in his element, too, and I think that, that helped a lot. Well, Matt, thank you so much, buddy, for pulling over at a Hardy's parking lot <laughs> and calling into the Dale Jr. Download. We really appreciate it. Again, fans, uh, go to NASCAR.com, read Matt's story. You can also follow him on Twitter at Matt Crossman underscore. Uh, Matt, thank you so much, buddy. Oh, sure, yeah. And I, I thought it was also uh, worth noting that even the bad Redskins news that he got in the middle of the broadcast uh, did not dissuade him, did not uh, crush his mood. Well, that would have been a crossroads. I mean, it could have gone south really quick there, but uh, he kept it together is what you're saying. Yeah, and I was like, the, you know, he, uh, the, one of the assistants was writing on these uh, dry race boards score updates to him, and he told him the game was over when it wasn't. I'm like, dude, you had one job. The game wasn't over. You told him it was over and they <laughs> won, and imagine? they actually God. lost. Wow. You had one that job, and you screwed it up. But, yeah. he, uh, but he rallied, so that was pretty interesting to see. That's good news, man. Well, thank you so much, Matt, and uh, safe travels back uh, to home in St. Louis. All right, thanks for having me on, guys. All right, take care. We have something to give away, Mike. 
you know what? It's been a long time since we've given away some uh, spy sunglasses, so I figure let's do it. Let's. I, what, what do you, what's the criteria this week? What do you want to do? Best call? First name, Davis, you get to make that call. Well, if it's another ballad, y'all want to um, Another ballad? Yeah, there's another Uh-oh. ballad. It seems like Davis might have an indication of no, that. No, so that's, I mean, that's giving away who we'd give it to. But there is another ballad, Taylor, for you. So just okay. so let's just go with most creative, <laughs> most creative, creative. And, and first name Davis will or, make that decision uh, when it's over. There's lots of comments about Dale's style and fashion and the jacket he wore in the booth. All right. Well, if they get good points yeah. in, then maybe okay. we consider them. But it's get most creative. Let's go. Okay. Let's right. do it. We'll do a dictatorship. First name Davis gets to decide unless he makes the wrong decision. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Perfect. We'll, we'll overthrow right. him. Who we got? You know, I have to give it up to Greg Biffle for his drive and determination. Not only did he wreck an Earnhardt at Talladega, he wrecked an Earnhardt at Talladega while an Earnhardt was on the call at the track (laughs) that an Earnhardt has dominated for his entire career. Kudos, Greg Biffle. I hate you even more now. (laughs) How did that song go, Taylor? Because he's Biffle. Isn't that how it was? Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations to Biffle. He is still referred to in this house by my daughter as the guy who didn't want to win. That's right, Daytona. Daytona. Lock Jr. instead of trying to beat Kenseth. That's right. That's his name in this house. Who's next? Joy Logano, who stole the race from Jr. before. God, the only thing it'd be worse would be Kyle Busch. God. Oh, oh. The only thing part of the race was Gail Jr. was in the booth for a very short, too short a time. Oh, I can't wait till next year. Oh, God, come on, 2017, and Dale Jr., yes! So Taylor caught into Reaction yeah. Theater, apparently. She's going through something. Yeah. <laughs> I have a similar feeling. I'd express it a little differently. Yeah. So she does not like Logano winning. Got it. No. Does not like the back half of 2016. She's not alone. Who's next? Hey, Mike Davis. You suck, <laughs> you jack. That was call. definitely super creative. Great call. Wait, wait, that's that the one, end of the call. Yeah, that, the, that uh, one is uh, in the cl- leader yeah, in the clubhouse yeah, well, by, yeah. by my standards. Don't think too hard on these calls or anything. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Who's next? Uh, first off, best thing was Junior in the booth. He did an excellent job. Next, I just want to say it's pretty sad when you have three teammates right around the freaking mm. back of Talladega the whole day, even dropped to the back before the green flag even dropped. Yep, they're true champions in the word of racing. This is becoming a joke. Wish I wouldn't have even watched it. Really only watched it because you listened to it because Junior was going to be in the booth. What a joke. Sorry. Joke city. Let me play devil's advocate for a second. You ready, Taylor? I'm ready. People that don't like Gibbs Racing, what would they want more than them finishing 30th, 31st, and 32nd? So you don't want them racing for the win because they're likely – aren't they kind of likely to win it? And don't you hate that too? <laughs> yeah. Just so throwing it out there for you. Let that one settle. Yeah, I'm, that kind of blew my mind just now. Three of the four Gibbs racers finished god-awful. Right. I mean – Forget how they finished God Awful. Isn't that all you want in life? I guess you want to compete with them and wreck all. Compete with them and wreck all of them. I guess is 
what everyone was hoping for. But chances are that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so you were cheering for the Gibbs wreck. Okay, yes. got it. <laughs> yes. T-bone them into the fence. Who's next? All right, I know Dale Jr. gets to do a lot of cool stuff because he's Dale Jr. I get that. But I am officially jealous of Dale Jr. Never have been before, but I am officially jealous. Dale Jr. got to ride in a truck with the American flag around Talladega Motor Speedway during the national anthem. Are you shitting me? That is like the badass thing ever. I am so super jealous. And then Dale Jr. goes up into the booth and knocks it out of the park. Absolutely phenomenal. I want to listen to Dale Jr. call a soccer match between, like, Germany and Ecuador or something. I don't know. That jacket he wore was the biggest hunk of junk. It looked like he was going to the seventh grade science fair award ceremony. He was getting an award, and he wore his dad's coat to the science fair banquet. That was exactly what it looked like. <laughs> I hope you do better. I hope you have a uh, – I'll be interested. I, I've never cared about what you wore before, but I can't wait to see what your wardrobe is for Martinsville. Dale, nah. <laughs> <laughs> that jacket was a little big on him. But he's also lost about 10 pounds in the uh, rehab process, and I'm not even sure he had 10 pounds to lose. I was going to say. So uh, maybe that's the excuse. That's what Who's I'm going that? with. That's the hey. official PR statement. There you go, Dad. There you go. Dado, fired up, as usual. Who's next? I'm going to be honest. Today's race absolutely sucked. There was no big one. The 88 once again gets loose in traffic during a restricted plate race, and that squinty-eyed douche Joey Logano wins again. But if you believe that the real winner this weekend isn't Dale Jr., then you are sadly mistaken. He got to ride around in that big rig that flies Old Glory high and proud during the national anthem. That's more American than Dado doing the same thing at Texas Motor Speedway with Floppy Yellow. And then, of course, he got to call the race for NBC with Steve Letarte and the guys. Which begs the question, Dale, why didn't you ask Steve why he hasn't accepted your friend request? That would have been the perfect opportunity. And speaking of opportunities, I'll take this moment to tell Junior Nation to go vote for Dale Jr. for Sprint Most Popular Driver. And don't forget to vote for me, the Macho Man, for President of Junior Nation. Oh, Dale, yeah! And Mike Davis! How about them coming? Oh, man. Send that man some sunglasses. Congratulations, my friend. What a night Saturday night was. That was pretty special. That was pretty – I loved that game. They were in control from start to finish. I don't want to make this about years. the Cubs, though, but that is pretty special. I like that this guy. That atmosphere was on something else, man. That was something else. It was. And Can he, you imagine Friday night what that's going to be like? I mean, look, Cleveland will be great. Went uh, Tuesday fantastic. and Wednesday. Yeah. But Friday night, game three – First World Series game in Wrigley in 71 years. Have you seen what the ticket prices for that are? They're like $2,000. For standing room, not even a seat, Twenty. So how many did you buy? 2400 You know what? I, that That's just a little too steep for me. <laughs> my, my cousin has a ticket to game four. Really? He's from Chicago. Did he pay for it? I, no, his family has tickets. His family has tickets. But like they're split four different ways, and he goes game four. It would be awesome to be there. 
Macho Man is so far the leader in the clubhouse if, if I have a vote. I've helped, you, I've helped you out in the past. I don't think I can be much help for the World Series, though. No, <laughs> yeah, everybody's that's right. asking. No. Everybody's asking for those uh, this time around. Macho Man for president. Who's next? Hey, I just want to say uh, Dale Jr. did a great job in the booth today. I, I don't know about his uh, fashion these days. He's kind of looking like Mr. Rogers, in my opinion, but... Uh, nevertheless, uh, I just want to talk a little bit more about uh, Joe Gibbs racing and the three guys that decide not to give 100%. Um, I get it, what they're doing. They're they're playing the system, but if I was a fan of theirs and uh, I paid to go to that race, I'd march my ass over to Joe Gibbs racing the next day, turn in all my receipts and say I want my money back because that's not racing. That's not fun to watch. Get your ass out there. The two guys that should have and in the back, Johnson and Harvick were in the top 15 all day, three wide, and they had no reason to be up there. But at least they tried to win the race. So it just disgusts me to see those three guys in the back not even trying. So whatever. Hey, I got a question for you, Taylor. All right. Did you see what Steve O'Donnell said today uh, on SiriusXM about that very thing? Because some people are saying, doesn't this violate the 100% rule? which NASCAR instituted a couple years ago. Now, did you hear what he said? That was after the Richmond race, right. Yeah, what did he say? He says, quote, I'd say they do not fall into the 100% rule. The spirit of that rule is really to prevent somebody from intentionally allowing another teammate to do something that would not be in the spirit of the rules of the race. In this case, we look at the strategy decision that the team made. They executed it. It's obviously part of the format. It's a decision that they made during the race. But in this case, that wouldn't be something that we look at that violates the rule. Do you have an opinion on that? I, I don't. Um, his explanation is fair, but it shouldn't be called the 100% rule. That's a good point. It should be called something else because they did not give 100%. Anyone, I don't care, Steve O'Donnell, Mike Helton, Brian France, Joe Gibbs, anybody else, they can't with a straight face say they gave 100%. They did right. not try to win the race. And what's more, as much as we dislike it, if you listen to what the drivers, the JGR drivers said, they hated it too. They did not have fun. They said it. They did not sugarcoat it. They said that yeah. was not fun for us. It was what we had to do. In fact, I did disagree with this point. They're like, these are just the cards that we were dealt. Well, not really, yeah. but uh, but they did not like it either. It, it was different than obviously what happened with Michael Waltrip Racing, but it was still very self-serving, and it was not committed to winning the race. Having said that, I, I agree. I understand what you said earlier. And, I, and what Steve said, and chances are, if I was in their position, I would seriously consider it too. Uh, but they didn't try to win the race. Uh, come on. Uh, but then again, that happens in every sport. You know? Correct where me sometimes if I'm wrong, you... but them hanging out the back probably helped Denny advance. I, that's a good question. Yeah. No, no, no. Really, that's yeah. a good question because you would like to think that one of them might have. Well, did he finish third? Yes. Okay, so he ended up with a tie. So you're assuming that that's a either, good point. Yeah, it is. Kyle, Carl, or Matt could have finished first or second. Man, that's what. I'm not, that's, On the flip side, not to just keep playing yeah. devil's advocate on behalf of JGR, but Denny didn't have any pushers. That's true. <laughs> no. He, he, he talked no, about that afterwards. How hard it was racing yeah. up top with not any teammates around. Let's play one more. Oh no. No. <laughs> I can stay awake just to hear you speaking. 
talking Bama football playing. Nick Saban always game winning. I could spend my life soliciting your vote. Luring you away from that with a note. Saying I can keep him away. Send him off in a boat. Oh, oh God, make it stop. I need to open your eyes. <laughs> Dado needs to fall asleep. His game is tired, and I don't want to lose your vote. Because even when I sing to you, that's something he would never do to get to you. And I don't want to lose your vote. Hashtag Dale, yeah, great job in the booth. Hashtag Mike Davis rocks. Hashtag Taylor, come to the light. Let me just tell you guys what just happened. There were three guys in the store listening to this on the speaker, and as soon as he hit the chorus, they were looking at me going, what is this? And as soon as he hit the chorus, Taylor, they just jetted out the door. They, they left. I've never seen people fly out of the Junior Nation retail store. These three guys just did as soon as Mike hit the chorus. This calls us some sales. I'm not saying that it wasn't funny because it was so god-awful. It was funny. It was funny. But I'm going to have to tell you that I can no longer consider Submarine Mike oh. as president of Junior Nation. Why? Isn't it where his heart is? I appreciate where his heart is, but that I just I would rather someone not sing to me. To be honest with you, <laughs> you know what? On con- on the contrary, I love it when people sing to you. I, I understand that. In yeah, fact, I understand how you would feel that way, but it's not nearly as comfortable for me. Next week, Mike, I need to hear some Otis Redding sing directly to oh. Taylor Zarzer. Now, if it's Otis Redding that's singing that, but if you'll it's, consider it. You'll yeah, consider but if it. It's Submarine Mike. I'd, I can't do that. Wow. Uh, you want to play some Sam Cooke or some Otis Redding, I'm all in. But Listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to, I'm going to vote right now for Submarine Mike on this, on this qualification only. It takes balls to do what he just did. Am I wrong? Maybe. Big balls. It mm. takes ba- – no, Taylor, mm. to call up and Didn't sing. Didn't sound like it. But. No, no. Actually, it did sound like it. It sounded like he's like, you know you can't sing, and yet he just did that. That's balls. Even though he has decided not to run for president after a lot of indecision on my part, I am going to write in Dado's vote for president of Junior Nation, even though he's no longer running. I can't vote for Macho Man Randy Savage because he's no longer with us, and I can't vote for Submarine Mike because he sings to me. Randy Macho Man Savage, in in my opinion, just won the sunglasses, so don't say he's dead. Because first name Davis, who wins the sunglasses? Yeah, who wins? You're gonna go. So submarine Mike is in the running here now. Can I give y'all choices? Because I can't decide between Macho Man and the Biffle guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Biffle guy was pretty good. I thought that was well, I've already said my vote. I say uh, Macho Man. I'm good with that. Okay, Macho Man. To, we can give Congrats. it to the Macho Man. May he rest in peace. Yeah. R.I.P. Do you know where he's buried? <laughs> Because you got to know where to send sunglasses to. Uh, <laughs> is the Dale next to Elizabeth? This is the Dale Junior download presented by Spy. The official sunglass of Dale Earnhardt Junior now features the official camouflage of Dale Junior. 
The Signature 88 Collection sunglasses now feature true timber camo. Go get yours at spyoptic.com. Let's throw the white flag. White flag right there. White flag. White flag and all Dirty Mo Radio podcasts are brought to you by Exalta. Exalta also brings you ExaltaRacing.com so you can stay up on the 88 team. Follow at Exalta Racing on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you know what else you can do? Shoot them a note every now and then and tell them how much you appreciate they support, their support of Dale Jr. and Dirty Mo Radio. That would mean a lot to us. All right, at this very moment, Dale Jr. is in the simulator, as he actually said uh, when he was uh, doing his audio. Mm-hmm. He likes that simulator, you know. He spoke recently how much he enjoyed it uh, as he continues his rehab. The next two days will be very busy for Dale. He's doing production work for Nationwide and Degree while doing appearances for Mountain Dew and Freightliner. That Mountain Dew appearance is at Walmart. You love these Walmart Mountain Dew appearances, don't you, Taylor? I mean, I do. You just like the idea of it, don't you? I think it's great. I love. I really do for a lot of reasons. Well, guess I where this Walmart. one is. Guess where this one is. Tell me. University area, Charlotte. Oh, you gonna be in line? That's my spot. I mean, that's <laughs> that's like six or seven minutes from my house. That it's open for everybody. So if you are in the area, that's that is on. That's tomorrow, Tuesday, Tuesday, the twenty fifth. Oh wait, no, that's the university one. No, no, no that's a little university. Yeah, yeah you comes can, to the look, whoa, pal. You can get there. He you comes to the Independence there. Boulevard location. I'll be there. You just get your driver to take you to university. <laughs> My driver in your limo. On Thursday, he is sounding the siren like the Carolina Hurricanes NHL hockey team. I guess they do a siren. Yeah, to kind of like I've usher actually in done the game. this before. You have? Yeah, I have. So what do you, what do you call? It? Are you the siren sounder? What are you? Yeah, you just sound the horn. You go up there and you spin the horn if you will whatever's connected to it and you go up there in the i guess the sweet level makes a big sound and that says let's you know drop the puck let's play some hockey well that's good it's the home opener for the hurricanes this nhl hockey game so dale's going to be the siren sounder that's not the official name for it i don't think that's just what he'll I'm get a loud about. ovation for sure so uh, that'll be fun dale will be at barnesville this weekend for the cup race you'll be hearing some more news on uh, dale jr on sunday this on behalf of his partner goodies which that's kind of become an annual thing for this Martinsville race. Goodies uses uh, that race, race to sort man. of launch some Goodies promotion. Dale Jr. is always involved with it. So, um, also like one of the call, like the Macho Man suggested, don't forget to vote for Dale Jr. as Sprint Most Popular Driver. He needs several more of these to catch Bill Elliott. I think Dale's what at thirteen. Mm-hmm. I think Bill Elliott had sixteen. So uh, there is some like I, I don't know what the competition is like this year, but Dale being out of the car, you don't know what to expect. So we really like we really need you to vote. You don't know you don't know what's going on. So we need to we need to vote uh, vote off, and I think you vote daily on MostPopularDriver.com. So uh, please do that. Also, I, d- I definitely want to say this: uh, we're thinking about our friends at Hendrick Motorsports today. Today is the 12 year anniversary of the uh, the plane accident that. Uh, where we lost all the lives, and I tell you what, it's still it's it's very much it's real tough. today, uh, as it was back in 2004. So, I can't believe it's been 12 years. Um, that was a years. very emotional day, and for a lot of different people. I can still remember Jim Hunter being on that television broadcast at Martinsville, uh, saying that we've lost contact with the plane right after the race was over. Jimmy Johnson won. They had to go, you know kind of usher him off to kind of tell him that it was a bit it was an emotional day so really thinking about the Hendrick all 10 of those guys Mm -hmm. right it was it's rough let lastly I want to say this Uh, we have some exciting news for one particular person in the Exalta studio right now it's sad for the Exalta studio and Dirty Mo Radio but it is exciting in the grand scheme of things this is first name's final 
show for the Dale Jr. Download. He is moving on. In fact, Davis, why don't you talk about what you're about to do? You're ta- you've taken a new job. <laughs> I am. I'm Go taking ahead. a new job. I'll be moving up to uh, Washington, D.C., capital, just in time for the craziness of the election. And what will you – you're not joining the you're not joining a political campaign, Davis. Yeah, that was a terrible for, way of us president. saying what you're doing. I am moving to Washington yeah. D.C. in time for the yeah. election. I'm what are you going to be president. doing? Uh, <laughs> I wish you would. Davis Data 2036. Oh. Davis Data. I think that's when I'm eligible. I don't really know. I'm going to work uh, for Sirius XM's PGA Tour channel. The PGA Tour channel on Sirius XM. You're going to be a producer. Yep. So Dirty Mo Radio will always be the thing that got you to the PGA Tour channel. Is that is that what we're saying? Yeah. Mike Davis, Taylor Zarzer, Dirty Mo Radio, well, Talk to Studio, all the time I spent in here, WFNZ, wherever, all those things. You you have had several stops along the way, haven't you? And this is going to be a big one for you. We're excited. I mean, I tell you what, when Davis first told me about this, I, I was just nothing but happy for him. And I thought he would be the best person for that job. And so our loss is certainly Sirius XM's gain, and I'm I'm proud of Davis, and I really appreciate everything you've done. Not just for Dirty Mo Radio, but our social media. Davis obviously runs that, as many of you know. And so we're going to have to uh, find somebody to replace this guy, and they got big shoes to fill. So, Taylor, Taylor, what do you think? He's joining the SiriusXM family. You ready for him? I'm ready for him. I'm proud of him. Sirius 208, XM92. I can give you the phone number and give you the show list, any of that information if you want. But um, I hope you give uh, First Name Davis a listen over there as he'll be a producer. And chances are, with all the – Crazy people we have on that channel. He'll be on the air, too, uh, on, uh, on Series 208 and XM92. But, you know, Davis is as good a friend as I've ever had, period. But uh, also he's been as fun as anybody and as professional as anybody I've ever worked with as well. So I'm real proud of him and definitely earned it. I, know, I just want you to know, Taylor, that Mike said he's going to be the first caller on my first day to get some tips on his golf game. Yeah. And then I'm going to end it with Dale, yeah. <laughs> Dale, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, I love Boo Weekly. All right, Davis, congrats. <laughs> yeah, that'll, be, that'll be Mike Davis's call. I appreciate it, guys. We're proud of you, my man. We're going to miss you. Uh, I know that Junior Nation will miss you as well, but certainly um, well-earned and deserved what you're doing in the future. Thank you. All right, Mike Davis, we'll be back next week. We will. We'll if, do another if, one. If, if I can muster enough – care to do this without first name davis in the studio i will be here it'll be tough sort of like dale not being in a restrictor plate for race for you davis not being in the studio for me just takes a lot out of me but i'm gonna try we love you first name davis thanks to dale earnhardt jr to mike davis i'm taylor zarzer you've been listening to the dale jr download presented by spy thanks for listening to dirty mo radio 